Namaste, namaskaram, vanakam, namo namaha, jai Ganesha. Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org. And there is a donation button there if you'd like to help us out. We need your help. So today's podcast, more on the, not only the absurdity of the spiritual but not religious crowd, but the actual arrogant elitism behind that phrase, SBNR, spiritual but not religious. So let's look at the words that we use. So obviously there's a time for critical thinking, and obviously trying to use words with accurate definitions. And you clearly find this in the Hindu Yoga Dharma, where Rishi Kalidasa says, Vagarta vihiva samprita, words and their meanings are ever united like a marriage. So too in the Yoga Sutras of the Saiva Hindu Guru Patanjali, which unfortunately have been very distorted, he says quite bluntly that one will enter into a delusional state when they take word knowledge that's devoid of its facts. In other words, not understanding the words that we say. And remember, even in the bizarrely casual use of the word semantics, semantics is actually the science of word knowledge. It's not simply the casual use of words. So, let's look at the words religion and spiritual. Starting with spiritual. These are obviously English words, which is our common secular language of communication. Spirit, spiritual, and soul actually refer to that which is incorporeal, meaning not the corp or the body. And then that should mean not the emotions or the mind, but this is where it gets a little bit strange, and this is really where Christians who use these terms, soul, spirit, and spiritual, and even the New Agers have to figure out what they mean by this because it's coming from the Greek psyche, which does refer to the mind. That's where you get the word psychiatrist from, psychology. So in that sense, the soul still is referring to the mind. It's not referring to the body, but obviously to the mind and with its emotions. So that's for them to figure out. As Hindus, we use the Sanskrit Hindu term atmana, which means it's not the mind. Thank goodness. And obviously it's not the body or the emotions, it's something else, it's the inner essence. So, taking the word spirit, spiritual, and soul as incorporeal, then literally no body can be spiritual. So, end of discussion. How can we be spiritual but not religious if we don't have a body? So then how does one realize their incorporeal essence, their spirit, or their soul, well, this is precisely where religion comes into play. Take an analogy from it. Look at the mountain and the top of the mountain. So the goal is to get to the top of the mountain or maybe even elevate a little bit above the mountain. That could be the the spirit, the spiritual, the incorporeal that's elevating a little bit above the mountain. But how does one get to that top of the mountain? Well, here's where one has to logically find a way up there, find a path either an established path or hack a new one. See the metaphor here of throughout time, the established religious traditions of the world. They're, they're paths that go perhaps to the top of the mountain, maybe not all of them do, and they're all a little bit different. It's like we can choose the path that we take. We could choose a more straight path. We could choose a more curvy path. That choice is up to us. So relevantly, this is really the Establish religious traditions of the world today. For better or for worse, they are paths into 
that which transcends the body, mind, and emotions. But the spiritual but not religious crowd wants none of that. Why is that? Well, that would hamper their businesses, hamper their personality cults, as they deny the very paths or traditions that will lead one into that which goes beyond the body, mind, and emotions. So, let's look for a moment that we have four bodies. So first, we recognize the first three, obviously. We have a physical body, a mind, a mental body, and the emotions that go with it. So body, mind, and emotions. So now let's incorporate the fourth, which is the spirit body, the soul body. To the Hindus, this would be the Atmana. So four bodies, physical, mental, emotional, and soulful or spiritual body, spirit body. So now, how do we take care of our physical body. Well, this is where we exercise. Then obviously diet and sleep come into play. And the avoidance of unhealthy physical activities. And then people become leaders or teachers about the body. This becomes the, the coach, your trainer, people into various forms of medicine. They become professional at taking care of the physical body. So too with the mind. We study. That's the path to developing the mind. Study, concentration, and people excel and become teachers of the mind. Professors, teachers. So too with the emotions. We work with our emotions. We go through all of the myriad emotions of joy and sorrow and pleasure and bliss and anger. Many go into the, the arts, into acting, into music, to dance, to drama, really working on their emotional nature, becoming a method actor, for example. And people obviously excel and become teachers, acting coaches, music teachers, dance teachers. So obviously in the body, mind, and emotions, we have a goal to take care of the body, take care of the mind, to take care of the emotions, and we figure out ways to do that. We use physical exercise, and we have teachers that help us. We use mental exercises, we study, and we have teachers that help us. And we work with our emotional nature, and we have teachers that help us develop that emotional nature. Okay, now let's look at body number four. So if we look at the soul body... So then how do we experience this inner spirit, this soul, the Atmana, to the Hindus? This is precisely where a tradition, a path, comes into play. This is religion. This English word comes from the Latin root religio or religari, which originally simply meant to bind or to link to a sense of moral order, trying to figure out what is good behavior, for the individual, for the family, for the society. And then obviously in the 1500s, this word became specifically associated with the Christian religion. But essentially, it simply means to try to link or to bind to that which is incorporeal. In other words, using the body, mind, and emotions, certain rituals, traditions, 
to help uncover that inner spirit, soul, or Atmana. So just like working out physically, studying mentally, working with our emotions and drama, so too it's inevitable that we will seek various ways, traditions, customs, habits to help one experience, we would say uncover that which is already within the inner essence, the spirit soul Hindus call the Atmana. So to deny this natural religious process is absurd on the face of it. And actually it's impossible to do. So isn't it very interesting that those who would say that they're spiritual but not religious, nine times out of ten they're already drawing on something from an established religious tradition, of course without recognizing it, enter today's spurious yoga movement that is drawing totally on the established religious tradition of Hinduism without recognition. Why? Because this then would demand commitment. This would demand someone who took the time to really become a teacher. So simply claiming to be a spiritual but not religious person, one can then quickly assume the role of a teacher and start their own businesses, deceiving themselves and all of those who come to learn. Essentially, the blind and the blind and the blind dance shuffle, Yoga Swami. In other words, the teachers are blind, the students are blind, and the practice is blind. And those that get into the SBNR movement clearly have a sense of entitlement and a sense of getting something quick. Which is the hallmark of adolescence, isn't it? Later on, that's the essence of being a con man, a con woman. Those who want to simply get things quick. Just think of the laughable absurdity, which ironically many don't clearly see, of being a 200-hour certified, which means you're a professional yoga teacher. Wow. Who is, of course, spiritual but not religious, and yet would have absolutely nothing about the established religious tradition of the Hindu Dharma. So, too, with those into so called mindfulness, they can simply set up shop teaching quote unquote mindfulness, which is actually the outcome of living the life of Buddhism, which obviously came right out of Hinduism. So today we have meditation teachers, and another word that's very confused, it simply means to concentrate. Concentrate on what? Of course, they're generally using it to mean to concentrate on the spirit without any religious connection whatsoever. And once one wakes up to this delusion of arrogance, ignorance, using words and not really understanding the words that one says, one may say, where have I been all this time? How have I been so easily fooled by the spiritual but not religious crowd? Well, this is what Hindus would call Maya, or this world of appearance, which can be very elusive, even delusional. 
as one constantly seeks to elevate their own personality. So in this whole area of religion spirituality, the things to avoid are the three dangerous P's, picture, personality, and price tag. That's okay for material things in the world, but when it comes to being religious and spiritual, incorporeal, why the emphasis on picture, personality, price tag? As the myriad of self-help teachers come and go, often with scandals in their wake, deceiving themselves and deceiving all of those who, if they're honest, really want something quick without commitment. For life is about commitment. It's about people practicing principles. This is what it is to be truly religious in that sense, truly trying to figure out what links, what binds one together, recognizing they have a body, mind, and emotions, and an inner essence, soul, spirit, atmana. And yet, isn't it oxymoronic, paradoxical, bizarre that those into the so-called spiritual but not religious movement are infatuated with their physical bodies? Just look at the modern spurious yoga movement. And remember that the Sanskrit Tamil Hindu word yoga yogam actually has nothing to do with the body at all. It's about the body of the Atmana, the very definition, huge Atman Brahmancha, to yoke, huge, to one's Atmana, individual soul, and then Brahman, soul source, which is not God, has nothing to do with God, which is an anthropomorphic deity. So paradoxically, bizarrely, in this spurious yoga movement, by those who would tout that they're so spiritual but not religious, of course, entirely focusing on the physical body. Just go to YouTube and look at all the manifestations of the physical body and physical postures and the beauty of the physical body under the guise of yoga. And many men are into it, but it's primarily women and Women should really think about this. They're glorifying the physical, the outer body, and yet claiming to be incorporeal without a body. So it really becomes a very bizarre movement, a very delusional movement. And for all the women that are into, quote-unquote, yoga, and just infatuated with displaying their physical body, just go to Kino Yoga and Adrian's yoga, Jen's yoga, etc., etc. And you see the total infatuation with the physical body. So you're setting yourself up for the worst stereotypes that all the woman is interested in is the outer superficial appearance. And also in not recognizing the facts, which is easy to do, just simply say, hey, Google, define yoga. Not recognizing the facts that yoga is all about the Hindu religion, it again promotes the stereotype of the woman who really can't think deeply, can't balance her checkbook. But of course they can, but it also promotes the stereotype then of the crafty woman that is just out for material gain. The money in the body is more important than anything else. 
And for all those out there who are denying religion, and they may or may not say that they're spiritual, ask yourself, can people come to you when they need counseling? Can people come to you when they need food? Can people come to you when they need clothing? Perhaps even a place to stay? Around the world, religions often provide these essential necessities. Will you provide free access for people to come perhaps to your home and have an AA meeting? Will you keep your doors open in your science labs, in your individual homes, for people to come in when they simply need to sit quietly and contemplate? So before you so proudly tout that you're so-called spiritual but not religious or just poo-pooing religious altogether, just think a little bit deeper. So the next time we are tempted to, and we say we because we're all in this together, we all make mistakes, we're just trying to achieve a sense of equilibrium or balance, and as we call a sattvic life, avoiding the extremes of being a fundamentalist or the other extreme of being a universalist, New Age universalist. They're both extremes. There is a balance in the middle of realizing you have a way. It's not the way, and it's not a universal way for everybody, but it's a way. It's the way for you. So the next time we're tempted to say we're spiritual but not religious, just pause and think for a moment. It's the same thing as saying I have a body, but I have no way of developing it. I have a mind, but I have no way of developing it. I have emotions, but I have no way of understanding them. Then we'll see just how silly but not real we become, SBNR. Instead, we flip that around and we become immersed in foundational basics. So we have sound basics, now religious. Remember, the essential meaning of that Anglo-Saxon English word is religio, which simply but profoundly means to bind or to link together, to try to get our act together. Now, yes, it's often associated with just the monotheistic religions, but it's important to understand that since English is basically the common language of communication around the world, religion is really used as a very general term to recognize all of these traditions throughout the world, to be respected for their specifics. So, for example, we, meaning here at the Dharma Yoga Ashram, we follow the Hindu religion. Other people follow the Buddhist religion, or the Jain religion, or the Sikh religion, or the Taoist religion, or Shinto religion, or Judaism, Christianity, Islam. And we can't forget the indigenous Indians around the world, the Native American Indians, the Eskimos, the Hawaiians, the aboriginals of Australia who date their culture and religious traditions back 40,000 years ago. So along with taking care of our body, our mind, and our emotions, if we are interested in this spirit area, if you will, the soul area, that which is incorporeal, or more accurately to the Hindus, the Atmana, that inner essence which is not the mind, it's not the body, it's not the emotions, it's the inner essence. If we're interested in this area, then find a religious tradition or perhaps create a new one, but it would be a new one. 
However, do not steal from already established religious traditions. This is a copyright violation, if you will. And then pretend to be a teacher of them without recognizing them. How much sense does that make? If we have been born into a specific religious tradition and that's the one that fits us, fine. Sometimes we're born into a religious tradition that doesn't seem to work for us. Well, then do the right thing. Get out of it. And then if you're still interested in this area, find one that works for you and then do the ethical thing. Study it, learn it, and make full commitment before you ever would attempt to teach. And obviously, unless we're looking at this in a very superficial way, these religious traditions are really about bringing the totality of our being together, physical, mental, emotional, and the ultimate inner essence, which is going to transcend physical death. These are very profound matters. And does one think that in simply 200 hours, 500 hours, a few years, even a few decades, one's going to get the totality of this experience? Take your time, but keep going. Follow a religious tradition, or again, create a new one, and it would be brand new. Follow it through. And then perhaps you may be looked to as a teacher. Then you will not fall prey to the, hopefully what you realize is a very silly, absurd, illogical cliche of spiritual, but not religious. But be religious spiritual. Good luck. Remember, we're all in this together. Have a profound religious day of relinking, of binding yourself together physically, mentally, emotionally, and soulfully, if you will. And just as you have food for your body, for your mind, for your emotions, seek out soul food. So we'll end with a, a Hindu sloka, Hindu mantra. Remember, mantras are Hindu prayers. A grace, if you will, being thankful for the physical food, mental food, emotional food, and soul food or atma darshana paramo dharma. Anapurane, sarapurane, sankarapana valabe, yanavaragisidhyartam biksham dehi chaparvati. Mata chaparvati devi, pite devo meheshwara bhandava siva bhaktaha suadeshu bhuvanatrayam. Ombo bhuvasvaha tatsavetu varenyam bhargudeva siddhimehi dhyoyana prachurayat. Om shanti. Shanti, shanti. So in conclusion, we could look at religion in a way, the same way we look at a banana skin or an orange peel or a sandal. Yeah, we want what's inside the banana skin, what's inside the orange, and the shoes and sandals are to protect the feet, but they're important outer aspects to help us get through life to develop the fruit. So too with religion. These are vehicles. They're important ingredients, rituals, customs, codes of conduct, as everything is in life to help us get to an ultimate goal. So I think a mature look at religion spirituality is always to remember that when we use this English word, religion, from religare or religio, it simply and profoundly means to link back, to bind back, to understand our body, mind, emotions, and perhaps the inner essence, the soul, if we believe in that. So it's just a human attempt to try to get one's act 
together for better or for worse. And like all institutions, and yes, religions are created by humans, of course, as all institutions are. And there's the inevitability for corruption in every institution. That doesn't mean, though, that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, there are obviously dishonest people in law enforcement, in politics, in religion, in teaching professions, but we don't get rid of the professions, the vocations. We just get rid of the bad apples. We just reform those that are doing things that obviously are contrary to the intended purpose. So like other areas of life, if one is really interested in this area of religion, well, do your exploration. Maybe you're content with the religion you were born into. But even then, it's, it's wonderful to do a comparative religious study and get to know your fellow human beings on the planet. So here's a, an acronym, if you will, that may help to um, alleviate a lot of the confusion and certainly sectarian violence that's happened throughout the ages. We call it the NAT principle, N-A-T. One's religion is not no way or the way, but a way. Think about that. The the way is the pure, if you will, fundamentalist that thinks their religion is the only true one and every other one is wrong or outright evil. But the other extreme is the new age, if you will, which is old age, universalism. And really, there is a fundamentalism to it, if you think about it for a moment. For example, in today's yoga, people are doing what they think is yoga and claiming it to be universal. So it's really a fundamentalist, universalist viewpoint. And it's a knee-jerk reaction often to fundamentalism. And the universalist will say that they respect all the different religions of the world, but do they really? And certainly one could not hold oneself out as a teacher of these various religions, so they're both extremes, the fundamentalist on the one hand and the fundamentalist universalist on the other hand, the no way or the all way people. And they're recognizable by cliches like we're all one, which is obviously bad math. But there is a middle ground, a balance in the middle. We can follow a religious tradition and believe that it is the best way for us, but it is a way. It's not the way, and it's certainly not no way or a universal way. It's not for everybody. So I think this acronym, the NAT principle, could go a long way in helping to solve a lot of the problems that turn many people off to religion. So again, if you're interested in this area of life, explore, find a religion that works for you, help to clarify it, don't get brainwashed, and in, in other words, not being able to speak up when you see things that are wrong. So find your established religious tradition, or perhaps, you know, you could find a new one. At this time in history, they're pretty much established. But who knows what's to come in the future. But it would be new. It wouldn't be stealing or extrapolating from other traditions. So good luck. As we seem to be on this eternal journey to figure out who we are, what our place is in this world, and religion certainly is an important part of that and always will be. It's inevitable. It goes along with the human consciousness. So if you're out to eradicate all religions, you're just as extremist as a fundamentalist religion that is out to eradicate all other religions except theirs. Think about it. So enjoy and seek a sense of peace. Remember, though, we always use this cliche, peace is not merely the absence of 
conflict, but the presence of justice. And as Hindus would say, Om, peace, 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 shanti, shanti, shanti. 